While the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro are still a year away, official sponsors of the Games are already working hard to protect their sizable investments. The Olympics, like other major sporting events, have strict rules regarding who can associate themselves with the Games. Finnegan partner Danny Audi joins us now to discuss best practices companies should employ to protect their trademark as an official Olympic sponsor. Danny, what are some of the trademark and advertising protections implemented by the Olympics to protect their rights as well as those of the official sponsors? Well, the International Olympic Committee has advocated for legislation in each of the countries where the Olympics are held. So leading up to the announcement of the Summer Olympics, Brazil enacted federal law entitled the Olympic Act. And the Olympic Act provides Brazilian authorities with some additional tools to protect the branding elements surrounding the Olympics that are not otherwise necessarily available under the trademark and advertising laws of that country. This has given the International Olympic Committee quite a bit of ammunition to protect the broad range of their branding elements. For example, the legislation prohibits the use of symbols related to the Rio Games unless you're an authorized sponsor of the Olympics. So that would encompass things like the iconic Olympic rings, as well as flags and emblems and even mottos and songs and the other branding elements that are associated with the Olympics. The legislation also protects against ambush marketing, and those are instances where someone may not use these particular symbols, but the overall message surrounding the advertisement gives the false impression that the advertiser is connected with the Olympics or is an official sponsor of the Olympics. And it also has a very unique provision within it, which allows the Olympic Committee to suspend advertising contracts that others might already have in place for spaces in the airport or other territories controlled by the federal authorities so that that space can be used by official sponsors. Are there certain advertising restrictions that companies should be aware of as they plan for the Olympics? There is a wide range of advertising restrictions that companies should be aware of. And the Olympics is pretty good about putting out branding and advertising guidelines that detail what is and what isn't acceptable, and they include a bunch of examples. Some things that advertisers should be aware of are the use of athletes in advertising. The Olympic rules prohibit the use of athletes or coaches and others participating in the Olympics. You cannot use those individuals in advertising airing during the Olympics, including the 15 days before and after the Olympics. If you do that, the consequences are not only potentially very bad for you as the advertiser, but the athlete, him or herself, can be disqualified from the Olympics. So there's quite a bit of disincentive to do that. There are also restrictions that companies who are providing equipment and clothing to the athletes need to think carefully about. For those who are not official sponsors of the Olympics, There are restrictions on how many times your logo can appear and even the size of it. You can only have your logo appear once, and depending on the item, it cannot be very large at all. For equipment, for example, it can only be 60 centimeters. For headgear, 6 centimeters, and for clothing, 20 centimeters. And so you need to be mindful of that. You also need to be careful about registering domain names. The Olympics has restrictions on the registration of domain names that include Olympic trademarks, 
And so you need to be mindful of that as you gear up for promoting your brands during the Olympic period. Sporting organizations need to be particularly careful as well because there are guidelines restricting sponsorship of athletes. So while during the regular season, you may sponsor a particular athlete, have an endorsement agreement with them, etc. Once they compete in the Olympics, you cannot advertise that promotion by tying it to the Olympics. Danny, what examples of infringement should official sponsors be aware of? Well, there have been some recent cases over the past few Olympics that are good examples of what advertisers should think about as they go forward. In the 2014 Sochi Games, there were advertisements put out by the apparel maker North Face. North Face branded some of its apparel under the trademarks, the Villagewear Collection, and RU14, referring to Russia 2014 Sochi Games. They released a men's Sochi full-zip hoodie, and this raised a lot of concerns by the Olympic Committee because North Face was not an official sponsor, and they brought suit against North Face, and that suit is still pending to this day in Canada. And the claims have to do with ambush advertising and trademark infringement. And so even though you might not be using explicit terms, uh, Olympics 2016, even things like village wear collection can run afoul of the Olympic Committee's rules and trademark rights. Another example is Subway. Subway has developed a reputation for putting out advertisements that probably come as close to the line as you could without crossing it. And they have put out advertisements featuring Olympians, well-known Olympians. In one case, it was Michael Phelps, and they released this ad during the Winter Olympics. So Michael Phelps wasn't competing and therefore wasn't within that prohibition that we talked about earlier. But they would feature him, and he was swimming across the United States to where the action was, which is referring to the Winter Olympics that he was swimming to, but they didn't feature any particular Olympic branding. They didn't feature an athlete who was competing in the Olympics, and this raised the antennas of McDonald's. McDonald's had spent hundreds of millions of dollars becoming an official sponsor, and they were very upset that Subway was putting out these sorts of advertisements without laying out the same cash. So they've raised the stink, and in response, one of Subway's marketing executives commented that they were, quote-unquote, loving the attention from McDonald's, loving it, which is one of McDonald's taglines. How is an official sponsor affected when false sponsorship claims are made by competitors? Well, as I mentioned in the example with McDonald's and Subway, official sponsors are spending a lot of money to have the privilege and right to promote their brands to one of the largest audiences that anyone could hope for. NBC reported with the London Olympics that they had over 5,000 hours of television footage. Some have reported that up to 4 billion around the world watched the Olympics at some point in time. So the audience is tremendous, and official sponsors are paying a lot of money to have exclusivity in that space. And so when that exclusivity is infringed upon, and the space becomes more and more crowded with those who are not paying for the same right, it hurts their exclusivity and it takes away from the eyeballs that should be on them and are now focusing on others trying to take advantage of the same opportunities without paying for the right to do it. Finally, Danny, what should official and unofficial sponsors do to plan for advertising during the Olympics? Preparation 
is key. The Olympics are a year away, and official sponsors and non-official sponsors are already rightfully thinking about how they're going to promote themselves during this time period. If you're an official sponsor, you've paid all this money and you want to make sure that your branding is compliant with all the regulations depending on what level of sponsor you are. If you're an unofficial sponsor, you want to make sure that you're not running afoul of some of these rules. I was talking earlier about the incredible audience for the Olympics, and that's the double-edged sword. It's unprecedented exposure, which marketers love, provided that that exposure is a positive one. It's not a time where you want to risk embarrassment by running afoul of someone else's trademark rights or the IOC's guidelines and rules. So preparation and taking care and how your promotions are put out is very important. Our guest has been Danny Audi, a partner at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.